With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber. Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. Oh, man, text line is blowing up at 512-447-3776. This says uh, from CB, Rod, the Jackson 5 were there that night in the chorus. Oh, uh, they sang along with Latoya. Yeah, they were standing next to, uh, there's a picture right there, standing next to Char- uh, Ray Charles. Okay. Standing there you next go. To Ray Charles. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I knew they had the whole Well, the idea was they had, some, they had several soloists that did the solo parts, and they had this huge chorus of people, which was from all walks, and uh, uh, it Pulled it all off in one one night, which is pretty incredible. Um, that's the greatest night in pop. Uh, a lot of conversations come from it, but uh, you'll 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 come away thinking uh, Lionel Richie is pretty incredible as a as a as a glue guy and as a leader mm-hmm. leader of people. Yep, and a collaborator. To in addition to being an uber talented person who pretty much wrote the song "We Are the World." Uh, you, you just learn a lot about all these these great famous people that you kind of grew up uh, loving. But yeah, it's good stuff. And it is, it, it, if you can get a, get a chance to check that out. But uh, I was trying to find who the full soloists were. So they don't. So, the, so I guess when they were. So what's the final count on how many people were involved in the actual like singing solos and then just singing the chords? Do we know like the. Like I, the you, actual number? you can find it. It's available because okay. yeah. they they, they, like, they they don't list. You saying they don't list everybody that's in like the chorus, like just singing the chorus. They do. I can find it for you. Okay. But but so and you'll see it in the document. They, they let the people who did the chorus go, and then most of them went home. And then they, they, the ones uh, who they were record, the, they record the solos that done, after I got you. Had they, to get that, that knocked out, sense. and then they all could, could go home. That makes sense. Actually, and then they, they layered it, and then you had to get to, down to the to the final parts. But it was yeah. good, good show, and just one of those things is as you see it. You just you keep ruminating on it in your head about, uh, oh, man, that was kind of a cool thing that now, I forgot about. Now, so a lot they, happens. Didn't they do another Real of the World after the original? Oh, well. Wasn't it, there it, like it became like a project they did, like, I don't know, not annually, but they did they did a few more after that, I thought. Like, I believe I, so. And some of the things there was It wasn't another, that good, but. Yeah. Well, it really spawned the idea that, uh, you know, that was all the whole movement of music can, 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 change, the can world, change the world. Yeah. and. You know, Willie Nelson was a part of it, and he ended up starting Farm Aid after that. Yeah. We can raise money for, you know, American farmers. And, and, you know, a lot of those things were kind of spawned from there, came from that. Uh, just the idea of how powerful it can be because that – because remember, they, then, then the producers of that song, once the song was done, like three months later, you know, had it played on radio stations at the same time, like debut on radio stations all over the world. All over the world. All over the world. Yeah. Which was really a cool, cool highlight of it. Uh, but it, this whole documentary – very little on that. It's all about that night and how it all. Oh man, yeah, they. Oh man, they said it was making We Are the Worlds and how about this? In January 2010, a, a that earthquake that devastated Haiti. Yep. Um, they said they recorded a We Are the World to, uh, yeah, basically to to try to help out, help them out. And the proceeds from that We Are the World 25 for Haiti, We Are the World 25 for Haiti, uh, was released in February 12th of 2010, and proceeds were to go to uh, the victims. Of that tragedy. Yeah. So they've been making these for a while. They made one in 2021. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, it's still a great song. Oh, not saying that they didn't make one in 2020. 2020, Ronald Richie suggested that a third version should be made to communicate about COVID nineteen, and they couldn't get it together. Couldn't get it together. They couldn't get it together. Well, and that's Lionel Richie's a collaborator, man. And now you see if he, he's now on American Idol, and you see how why he's such a good good coach with those young young artists. He's a yeah. He's just a really sweet guy, uh, for sure. And it was really hit once. And really, just, you'll see at the beginning. They once they got Harry Belafonte wanted to be a part of it. That yeah. that he was like. He was, Everybody he, wanted to be he was with, so respected. With oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, the, the Pied Piper. All right, let's get to the other headlines. We're talking sports, of course. Longhorn Steve Sarkeesian in his news conference yesterday. And the Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. NFL honors are tonight. Let's get to the news. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin bring you the top stories. And as we talk about, we'll hear more from Sark coming up. National Signing Day yesterday. Longhorns didn't announce any additions to the 2024 signing class, but Coach Sark did hold court for about 45 minutes. Talked about his ever-evolving recruiting department, his two new defensive assistant coaches. Said that Quinn Ewers is, thinks he made a great decision to come back to school and reaffirm that he is their starting quarterback. Arch Manning continues to run the two-spot there. Texas spring football practice will open up March 19th and wrap up with the spring game on April the 20th. Sark also said the program's on on campus NFL Pro Day will be March 20th. Elsewhere in college football, following his surprise retirement back in January, Nick Saban has found a new gig. Seven-time national championship winning head coach will join ESPN's College Game Day as an analyst. And also, according to ESPN, Saban will make appearances on other programming there, including the NFL Draft, SEC, FCC Network, and SEC Media Days. NFL Cowboys casting a very large net in search of their new defensive coordinator. Word late yesterday that New York Jets safety's coach Marquand Manuel is scheduled to interview for that job today as they look to replace Dan Quinn on Monday. The team interviewed command, uh, former Commanders and Panthers head coach Ron Rivera, as well as current Cowboys defensive line coach Aiden Durd. Durd is also, by the way, reportedly a candidate to become the new D.C. in Seattle. Uh, Cowboys have also met with former Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer and former Jets head coach Rex Ryan. In the NBA, league's uh, trade deadline set for this afternoon. Many expecting a flurry of moves, or as Patrick said, maybe a couple. That will could include some big names. Uh, Two o'clock is that deadline. One score from last night's Spurs lost in Miami, 116-104. to 104. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. You know, not too long ago before Andy Reid um, hooked up with Patrick Mahomes, before they drafted Mahomes and he had, you know, the greatest start to a career in the history of American pro sports, Andy Reid had a reputation for being a coach that couldn't win the big game that couldn't close. Uh, remember when he first got to the NFC, to the to the Eagles, he had what in his first six seasons, I went to, they went to the NFC title game four times. Went to one Super Bowl out of that group. I mean he was he was one of he was the second youngest coach I think in the NFL at the time when he got the job. And people forget this now because we're so far removed from it. But the narrative about Andy Reid, probably even after his like first or second year with the Chiefs, was he can't win the big game. He's a great coach. He's an awesome coach. He's amazing. He's one of the best offensive minds in the game, but nah, he's, he's not going to win the Super Bowl for you. He's just not that kind of coach. Do you remember this? I, uh, of course I remember. And, and, and strangely enough, that is the Kyle Shanahan right now. That is exactly what the narrative is. It, it is very similar to what the narrative used to be about Andy Reid. He's exceptional as a coach. He hires really well. Right? He's got a, one of the best systems, one of the most influential systems in all the league. Everybody keeps stealing from his system, stealing from the organization. And everybody, everybody in the NFL calls him a genius, <laughs> calls him a genius. He's a prodigy. These were all things that were said about Andy Reid, too. But the only but, the negative but was 
He can't win the big game. He's never going to win a Super Bowl. That's just not. He's a great well, coach. He's never going to win a Super Bowl. And that was the narrative about Henry for a long time. Well, before like he caught with, uh, before he got with Patrick Mahomes. For sure, and Patrick Mahomes been the key, right? Yeah, because the same Donovan, thing with with Forty ers and with Shano. Maybe the quarterback changed the key for him. Yeah, going to Purdy. Brock we'll Purdy. see. Yeah, he has a chance to uh, to get over that hump, and we'll see. And he's you know. But to your point of the look, when, when the Eagles let Andy Reid go, <laughs> that was a difficult day. My brother lives up in the East Coast, mm-hmm. and he was he was like, man, they. They don't really want to fire the guy. They just they got to do something different. I mean, it's like it's like the, the time is up to your windows argument. It's like, what are we going to do? We got to do something. Yep. And um, you know, because Donovan McNabb was just, you know, he could, for for several years he couldn't get out of the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, lost to the Buccaneers and, and Tony Dungy beat him. Yep. Uh, you know, and then when they got to the Super Bowl, and this was interesting to me because you know one of the things that Andy Reid has said now is people don't realize just how great of a leader Patrick Mahomes is. Like how great, uh, how great of a locker room leader, and that's something we've learned about Tom Brady, right? That like kind of the glue in the locker room with these guys. Um, you know, this is not at all a shot at Donovan McNabb, but but he talked about how people don't realize how tough it is to be, you know, close with with the with the front office and the coaches, but also be close with the locker room. It's hard to do. It's really hard to Different do. Different cultures. And I and Andy Reid had a specific example with that with Donovan McNabb. Remember, Donovan McNabb got crossed with his locker room yep. because he got uh, called out as a. You know the brown noser, like uh, always mm-hmm. sucking up to management and those kind of things, and that's what got to the 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 the, the rift between he and uh, Terrell, Terrell Owens. Owens. Yeah, and Terrell Owens, you know, kind of led the the negativity towards Don McNabb, and of course, the, then when uh, you know they didn't win the Super Bowl, Tio kind of threw him under the bus and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's a toxic teammate for sure. But at the same time, Patrick Mahomes is a he, he's the total package, and he changed the legacy of Andy Reid forever. Forever, and I think the hope is that Shano's legacy will also change forever because of them putting Brock Purdy in the starting quarterback position. And now the reports are Jed York said it that. Shano was telling him, you know, when Brock Purdy was a third-string quarterback that he's probably going to be our best quarterback. Yeah. He's probably going to be the best quarterback for us. So that is the hope is that this, these very similar kind of career arcs for Andy Reid and for Shano, and different for different reasons. One's, you know, a son of a Super Bowl-winning coach, and that's not necessarily Andy Reid. But I, like I said, you remember it too, and I, re- I remember it all too well, the narrative that Andy Reid can't win the big game. <laughs> That Andy Reid because he, he couldn't he couldn't no he couldn't <laughs> he kept getting there too he kept getting to the NFC, NFC title game a lot and he couldn't win the big game um, but all it takes is a one right decision at quarterback to change your fortune and I think Shano is hoping that that's what Brock Purdy is going to do for him that one uh, change at QB will now start to put his legacy his coaching legacy uh, at the forefront. Well, I, I, you, were, you were out Monday and Tuesday, and I did play. Did you hear Kyle Shanahan's explanation? Remember the story of him telling the owner, our third quarterback's our best quarterback? Yeah, that's what I said. Did you, he said, yeah. Did mm-hmm. you, well, did you hear Shano's explanation of it? Shanahan was asked about it on, my, on, on opening night. and I'll, I'll, Patrick, I just sent it to you on, on X, and you can play it for us through the DM. But um, this is interesting because what you hear here is that he kind of said it after a training camp practice, and he was pissed. Yeah, probably because Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance didn't have good practices. Exactly. And so listen to him explaining, like, like you know, who's your best? Because well, Shano explains it, but you can tell he was ticked off. He didn't think they had a very good workout in the training camp with their quarterbacks. Uh, so that's the mood he's in when the owner approaches mm-hmm. him. Here's uh, Kyle Shanahan from Monday night. Well, it's 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 funny to hear Jed say that because it wasn't the smartest moment I've ever had. I mean. When owner comes in after training camp practices and it's like, hey, how's the quarterback? And he, what he means is the starter yeah. or the second. And you and irritation go, 
I don't know, but our third guy's the best. Like, that's not what he wants to hear. So that's why he remembers it very strong. But that was just more, Brock was so good right away with every rep he got. He was always the same. And he only got a couple of them. So it was easy for me to say. Because in his few reps, he was the best. But if you know that for a fact, I mean, then you do what you do right away. But he was the best. And, but you ease that on. And every time he got a little more reps, it was the same as when he only got two. And so when it was all said and done and he got a lot of playing time, I was like, oh, this looks exactly like what I told you when I was irritated. And he only had three reps. And I said, no, he's the best. But that's what was so real about Brock. That's why after his seven games, his rookie year, even when he got hurt, we knew what we had because he'd been that way in practice every day. And it was the exact same way in the games. Right there, Shannon. So yeah. a little irritation probably within – and a lot of coaches have been irritated with Jimmy Garoppolo. I was going to say, yeah, with Jimmy <laughs> and Trey Lance. I mean, think about it, Trey Lance was very irritating too because he wasn't progressing the way they thought. Yeah. And turns out Brock was their best answer. I would say picking a quarterback is like picking a significant other. The woman you marry is not the hottest woman you ever dated. She was the one that was most compatible with you. It's about compatibility. And Brock Birdie is compatible with that offense. They wanted Trey Lance to be compatible. They wanted, they wanted, all, they wanted this monster of multiplicity. The most sophisticated multiple offense in the league with Debo that can play wide receiver and running back. Chris McCaffrey that can play running back and wide receiver too. Kittle who can line up at tight end, H-back, line up in the slot. And you've got all these different, you know, movable chess pieces. And what they really wanted was the ultimate advantage, the plus one in the running game, a dual threat quarterback. We combined with the Shanahan run scheme. Can you imagine? Ooh, that's scary. Well, that and, was John Elway. And they, exactly. <laughs> that they wanted their Shanahan zone blocking running scheme with a quarterback that could run. Oh, man, that is just nightmare fuel for a defensive coordinator. Didn't work out. Trey Lance wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't adequate enough, right? He wasn't capable enough within that offense. They wanted to be Jimmy G. They really wanted it to be Jimmy G bad. And the system got Jimmy G to the Super Bowl. But as Shano said, there are plays that as a play caller you can't make. I, and I'm not, as a play caller, going to be able to account for all of the problems that will arise within the structure of a play, all right? I can, I can account for pass protection. I can account for the hot reads and the blitz. There, there, there are certain solutions I've, I've built in, too, all right, that I basically kind of have uh, weaved into the structure and the architecture of the offense, but I can't account. For, I'm not going to think of everything. And when I don't think of a solution to a problem that arises on the field, I need you as a quarterback to go solve that problem. Yeah. I need you to figure well, and, it out. And none better than the person on the screen right now, Patrick Mahomes, in, yes. in the history of football. Yeah. And when, when the ad lib is necessary, no one ad libs like Mahomes. And that's when the whole you know, the original play is not no longer yeah. happening. And uh, you've got to have a play. Patrick Mahomes, the best and maybe that we've ever seen. Now, Tom Brady was pretty damn good, too. Uh, but, but, but Mahomes with his unique ability, and Purdy has shown that, that ability, that he can make that play. Uh, but I think about, to your point about Trey Lance and why they wanted the legs, oh, because would. I think of Mike Shanahan, Ooh. his dad, because I, I've talked and I did a radio show with Dan Neal, who was on that team, mm-hmm. the Lifetime Longhorn and Longhorn Hall of Famer. And he, you know, he was on that team the second year because he, he watched his first rookie year when they won the Super Bowl. And the second year was when they, they went 14-2 and two and won a second. And they, they, they thought they were going to go undefeated that year. Yeah, they did. And Dan has said, we, we, we couldn't be stopped. You couldn't stop us. Because mm-hmm. even if you knew the play was coming. And the thing that, that made them unstoppable was John Elway's ability to run. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I mean, you could kind of get your hands around everything else. Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, Shannon Sharp, Terrell Davis in the run game. But John's legs 
separated. Ultimate stressor. Then you couldn't stop it. You can stop it. <laughs> it like Vince Young at Texas, right? You can't account for all of those variables. It's too much unpredictability. That's what I thought when I covered the Texas offense in 05. I mean, you could, you could cover David Thomas. You could try to stop the running game. You could try to stop these receivers, but then Vince would just take off. And he's going to stop. Yeah, he's not, he's gonna, <laughs> when the play breaks down, he's going to take off and run. He's like, well, I can't solve all those I problems. I can't do anything about that. Yeah, yeah so no, that, that was their plan. And it was a brilliant one, but it didn't work out. And that the Brock Purdy solution really kind of slapped them in the face and give them props. That's what I say about the Cowboys all the time. Keep drafting quarterbacks because you never know. Just keep on drafting them. They, did, they had no idea they would find Brock Purdy. That's why he was so stressed out. He was thinking to himself, dude, all this work I've put in and my, my, my blueprint ultimately is going to fall short. Because well, I, I can't find the right QB. Well, and think about it to, to your put us point over the top. Of, uh, of good organizational habits of uh, drafting quarterbacks. Because it was Peter King, and we played that sound earlier this week too, that re- reported that because uh, he spent the day with Cal Shanahan. Oh yeah, he drove in to work with him and yes. everything. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, and but he talked to a lot of people. And so when, when that pick was made of Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, mm-hmm. there were a lo- lot of coaches and, and people on that staff that were pissed. They were like. You don't need another quarterback. I need another defensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. I need a linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are y'all doing? You already have two quarterbacks. Yeah. You don't. What are you? You're taking a quarterback? Really? You've already. We've already got money in Garoppolo. You already traded for Lance. We don't need another damn quarterback. And there were like within the organization anger. I like, can believe it. Like, yeah. Come on, man. I need a body. Yep. I need somebody here. We just gave up three number ones to go get a quarterback, and now you're taking another quarterback. Well, they wouldn't be without taking the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and Shanahan knew that, that uh, he, and Peter King reported this, that Shanahan knew that if they didn't draft him, he wasn't going to sign with them because of, they already had two quarterbacks. Purdy was not going to be a pick. preferred free agent with yeah. them because the, the quarterback room was already stocked and he would have been available to, uh, to others. Keep and so drafting they drafted quarterbacks. Keep, Keep draft- drafting quarterbacks. It's never a bad thing. Even if you got a starter, you can just trade the, the quarterback that you get. That's really good. Somebody, that was a, we'll, we'll play this sound in uh, Who Said That. But Matt Rule recently, and that's actually there are some sources that confirm Matt Rule's story. And Matt Rule said, I like Brock Purdy. And I wanted to draft him. Like, I wanted to, to draft me some Brock. I want to draft Brock Purdy, too. And, you know, they are, you know, they, you know they're going to have, they're gonna have a quarterback then and probably still been drafting number one overall and drafting Bryce Young. But my point is, you should always, every year, be thinking about drafting a quarterback. I remember the, was it Ron Wolf, who was the, the famous GM for the Packers? He said, I'll draft one every year if they let me. They won't let me. Yeah. I, if they let me, yeah. I draft one every year. Yeah. Well, and back when there were 12 or 13 rounds in the draft, you probably could do that. Now there's only seven. Yeah, seven. And you got to fill the still, holes. I, I still would draft one every other year. I'll no, draft the quarterback every that. other year. I don't I disagree would. at all. Yeah. Uh, we'll get uh, behind the burn orange curtains. Rottle will walk us through some of the Steve Sarkeesian sound from yesterday. A 45-minute uh, state of the program press conference yesterday from Sark. And I'll ask this question, Rod, on the way to the timeout. Half joking, but if, if Brock Purdy beats Patrick Mahomes, the great Patrick Mahomes, and wins the Super Bowl, should Matt Campbell be fired the next day? <laughs> Why? Because well, <laughs> he didn't win. He didn't even contend for the Big 12 championship with that team. Yeah, Come on, man. True. I know it's a younger player, but don't, don't, I have to look, don't, don't, don't the AD have to look at Matt Campbell and say, Come on, man. No, because Matt Campbell is one of those coaches, and there are some coaches like that. I think Tom Herman kind of falls in this category. They, they do more with less, but oftentimes will do less with more. Right? That was his best team he'd ever had. Brock Purdy, Charlie Kolar, Brees Hall. They Brees were Hall. loaded on that offense. Xavier Hutchinson is in the they NFL. They were loaded, dude. They were loaded. Tariq Milton was a good player. They were loaded on that offense. And I want to say that was just one of his worst years at Ohio State in terms of expectations. they went 7-5. and Because everybody was expecting him to be a college football playoff contender. And, and, and when he has – even this past year, I think he overachieved. Because he had all the, the gambling scandal. Nobody expected Ohio State to win any games. They made it to a bowl game. Well, that's what I'm saying. If I'm the AD, I'm like, okay, guys. 
I like the overachieving stuff, <laughs> yeah. but what are, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't win the, the Big 12 or at least compete Content, for the Big yeah, 12 yeah. with that group. Uh, some, I'm just kidding. Some, no, but no, no, no. There's something to it. There is There's something, something to, to that about Matt Campbell's system, his blueprint, where he gets more out of kind of the lower tier guys, and then when he gets those elite athletes or even develop those guys, that oftentimes those those teams underachieve for him. Well, that that is achieve. proven to be a really talented team because about six or seven in the NFL, oh, and they man. didn't even they were seven and five. All right, we'll come back. When we do, uh, Rod will take us behind the BOC. We'll get to uh, some off the record topics for the end of the hour on this Thursday. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Sure is. There it is. Kenny Loggins was part of that uh, We Are the yes, World recording back in 1985. He had a uh, one of the solo voices. He was big time back then. Oh, you're right. All of his soundtrack hits. He had a bunch of them. Yeah, every was... good movie, every hit movie from the 80s, seemed like he had a... A little oh, piece, a little... Top Gun, right Caddyshack. Yeah. Like he had a nice little hit on the soundtrack. So that's back when soundtracks mattered. Now soundtracks don't matter as much. Hey, Rod, don't forget about Loggins and Messina. Back Loggins in the and Messina. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, man. And he, I'm trying to remember who he had to follow because, you know, they, they each sang a line, essentially, as they mm-hmm. did the solos that started with uh, Lionel Richie. Yep. Um, of course, Michael Jackson kind of sang the over, over line. But, uh, and he had to follow somebody that's really difficult and... Uh, he, he did a good job. But Kenny Loggins, we are the world. But he's also, we are at the turn because we're halfway through our five-hour Thursday conversation. And it's an interesting weekend in the golf world. We told you yesterday, Rod, they're playing the Waste Management oh, yeah. at uh, the TPC Scottsdale, party going the on. Drink Fest. Mm-hmm. I got a video yesterday. My brother's out there. I didn't even know this. My younger brother's out there. He's, he's just, made the trip? One of, one of his vendors has a uh, box out there okay. for the Pro-Am. Oh, he's working in air quotes? No, he's not working. <laughs> okay. Schmoozing. Schmoozing. Yeah, he's, he's working. Getting the benefit of the job. He's, he's networking. There you go. Networking. Yeah, life and drywall, as he said. But um, so there in Scottsdale, but it turns out this may not be the drinking fest that we're used to because the weather's no good. Remember the storm that came through, this big uh, yeah. wave of, you know, what do I call river of water? It's, uh, it's really a mess out there. The temperature right now in Scottsdale is 46. The high temperature today is in the 50s, and it's going to be windy. And so the weather all weekend, the highest temperature is like, like 57 degrees. So, okay. uh, you know, not that you can't have libations while, you're, while it's cold, but the weather not as good as it's usual. Usually it's the desert and it's bright and sunny and everybody's having a good old time. Make sure when it's a little warmer, you want to drink. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We've got to hold the hold – the, that's, that's like that desert cold too because it's dry. Yeah. It's windy. Wind's blowing. Windy, yeah. And that can be – especially if you're Mm-mm. up in one of those. He sent me a video of the uh, 16th hole, the par three, and it is – I mean, talk about stadium. It is – they just keep adding. It's, I mean, there are so many boxes and levels. Oh, and, so just adding bleachers oh, and but, seats. Yeah, because everybody wants to be out there. But uh, weather not great. But Scotty Scheffler, as we said, is the two-time defending champion of that event, and he'll tee it up today. But here's the little subplot to the, to the golf world. 
the Live Tour is actually playing this weekend too, Rod. And you know where they're playing? They're teeing it up today at the Las Vegas Country Club. Oh, damn, they're going to be in Super Bowl town, huh? <laughs> yes. Oh, they, that, so that's the John Rom, they planned that out, didn't they? Oh, for sure. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh, they, they and it's planned it out normally because we know that the Live Tour plays three rounds, no mm, cut, yeah. 54 holes. That's where the word, that's where Live comes from, L-I-V, right? Uh, 54. They, um, they will play starting today through Saturday because they don't want to conflict with the Super Bowl okay. on Sunday. So the Tour and the Live Tour, PGA Tour, will be going head-to-head uh, one in Scottsdale, one in Vegas this weekend. So keep an eye on the golf. We're rooting for Scotty Scheffler, the two-time defending champion there. Weather not the norm as far as Scottsdale. And I've told you, Rod, one time, uh, you know, Buck and I did a show out at the uh, at that course, and we went there for the Wednesday Pro-Am because we were out there covering the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and we were doing radio row stuff, and we hooked it up to go do a show from the 18th hole, the veranda over the 18th hole. And that was the first time I ever got to see Tiger Woods live. And Ooh, I always tell the story. It's one of those. Yeah. It's a bucket list. Item. And he was playing his, his practice round. He met, this is the tournament he pulled out of because he played so poorly in the practice round. He was mm-hmm. coming off injury, and it was early in the year like this. He played so poorly. And I actually walked up, and I was within 20 yards, 25, you know, 10 or 15 yards from Tiger Woods, standing at the 18th green, kind of up on a hill, watching him. And I, the first shot I've ever seen Tiger Woods take live, he chili dipped it. <laughs> when you're doing a chip. What's a chili dip? I don't when, know when, you, when you're term. chipping a ball okay. and you hit the grass first. And uh, kind of, I do that every time. Yeah. I try to play golf then. Well, this is the great Tiger Woods. I'm like, <laughs> I've got my camera out. I'm recording this, and I get a chili dip. <laughs> hey, he's just like us. He's just like us. That's a beautiful thing. And then yeah. I went back up, got on the air, and I was like, you can't believe this. He chili dipped this son of a gun. Did you get Did you get video of it? I had it. I don't know where it was. Ah, it was on an old phone. Come on, man. It's worth some money. I, I think we put it out way back when. But uh, yeah, that was that's that's a fun place, man. So that was that was uh, years ago, Super Bowl, whatever it was. That is cool. Uh, probably eight years ago. But uh, yeah, that's a fun event. Scottsdale TPC, and then uh, Vegas for the live, and that mm-hmm. is. Uh, at the turn, brought to you by our great friends at Callahan's General Store. Remember Callahan's this weekend? Saturday has that live music from noon to four out in the parking lot. It's that great uh, Zydeco band. They'll be rocking and getting ready for Mardi Gras. So get That's out right. to Callahan's this weekend and certainly any day. A good day for Callahan's General Store. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, Sark had a media availability yesterday. It was a damn good one, actually. I mean, I don't know if there was a topic discussed uh, yesterday where he didn't go into great detail about whether it be positions, whether it be about the new recruiting department, whether it be about coaching changes. You had quite a couple of those. As a matter of fact, we'll hear from Sark talking about coaching change. I think that's important too. But before we uh, dive into some of the other audio from Sark, uh, let's hear from him talking about the biggest uh, piece of news that came out of his uh, recruiting department changes because now not only have they promoted some, uh, some of the staff from within, they've also decided to uh, create a new position, a general manager position first time on the 40 acres we've had a general manager uh here at the university of texas and sark was asked exactly what role what's the uh, responsibility does the general manager play for the university of texas sure well i i think one thing you know when, when i came on board brandon was I, I believe like an offensive analyst and you know, you're trying to assess the current staff. You're trying to assess who we're bringing in. And Brandon and I just kind of hit it off. I don't know if it was the quarterbacks in us. You know, we were kind of speaking the same language. Um, uh, his, his 
perception of players uh, I thought was was very impressive for a young guy. His perception of character I thought was very impressive for a young guy. Um, you know his his ability to communicate. I thought was was really incredible, and it was a guy that we've just grown. Our relationship has grown over three years now, um, and so I felt like the time was right for him to assume this role. Uh, I, I think so many times in football, in college football, used to always be director of player personnel, and that's fair, and that's what John Michael got elevated to that role. When you're really assessing talent, looking at talent, looking at your roster and things of that nature, but a general manager is so much more now. Uh, when, you, when you start talking about transfer portal, you start talking about NIL, you start talking about you know relationships with players, you start talking about r- really managing the roster at a little bit of a higher level. I wanted to make sure that I had somebody in that role that, that I was connected to on, a, on another level. And I think my time with Brandon has allowed me to do that. I think he thinks a lot like me, which is important. Um, as much as, you know, I, I, I try to you know, kind of oversee it all. I want to make sure if I can't be in a meeting that, that somebody's thinking and speaking on my behalf that is on the same wavelength as me. And uh, I just couldn't be more excited. I, I think he's a, a rock star in our profession. Um, and he's going, to be, he's going to be in high level roles for a long time. A rock star in our profession. And I think it's interesting that basically Sark just said that he and Brandon Harris, they vibe. They, they're like-minded. They see football. They see the football world the same way. And that's important. That's probably why he ends up getting the general manager job, even though I guess John Michael Jones had been there for longer um, and took over the player director of player personnel role, had been there longer. Um, seems like Sark just wanted somebody in those meeting rooms, like he just said, that sees football the way he sees it and that's like-minded to him. And I think I love what he said about he judges character well. And that's part of recruiting, right? Sark's big on the culture of this team. He doesn't want to – he doesn't want anything to interrupt, like, the organic – uh, organic growth of the culture. He talks about culture a ton, and a, a lot of culture. I was even told this by Mike Shanahan, uh, the elder Shanahan. Culture is about character. Culture is about character of human beings. If you just individually make sure that you're bringing in high quality character human beings at every level of your team, whether it be in the front office or whether that be talent acquisition or whether it be the coaching staff, he said honestly, the culture will take care of itself. That was his belief. And I kind of, I, I kind of believe that. But you've got to be very meticulous in who you're bringing into your program, which is we even heard Jeff Banks say this during um, the first early signing period now because that was the actual signing day, even though it doesn't have uh, the same uh, – doesn't really have the same cachet as it once did. But remember, Jeff Banks said, we look for signs. We're looking for signs. We bring in players. Signs of respect. Signs they respect the game, respect the locker room, uh, respect their coaches. He said, that's what they're looking for. If they don't see those signs, then there's a good chance that they're not bringing a, a really good player in that a lot of the fans think that they should be recruiting this guy or that Texas needs this guy. He said, it's probably because we haven't seen enough of the signs with that player. And what he said about, I think, Brandon Harris is, Brandon Harris is really good at diagnosing and identifying those characteristics of high-quality uh, football character. All right, so let's get into this other uh, cut here because I think – you know, Sark has talked about the coaching changes, but you, know, you got two coaching changes so far with Johnny Nansen. You got a new defensive line coach in Kenny Baker. Here is Sark talking about the coaching changes on the 40 acres this offseason. You know, uh, one thing we're really proud of here and in going into year four, 
I've had the same same coordinators on our football team for, for now going into four straight seasons, whether it's Pete Kwiatkowski, Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks. And, and that's, that's critical for stability and continuity on your staff. I've had the same strength coach now, Tori Becton, going for four years. So I think that's big for our players. Uh, but naturally, with success comes opportunities for, for other coaches, okay? And, and, and naturally, we're, we're trying to find the best coaches uh, that fit us culturally, but also um, that can develop players, that have proven to develop players, and that can recruit at a high level. So to bring in Johnny Nansen from Arizona, uh, who was their defensive coordinator at Arizona in, in a heck of a turnaround that they had last season, um, a guy that has worked with me in the past at Washington at USC is, is a huge addition for us. Uh, and then to go identify Kenny Baker uh, from the Miami Dolphins to come and coach the defensive line, uh, a guy that every person I call to, to ask about can't rave enough about um, the quality of coach that he is, the way he can relate to the players and, and be, be demanding but yet still relate to them so that they can continue to grow. And whether you want to call Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer, all of, all of guys that I respect in the profession, uh, couldn't be more excited to have Kenny on board uh, for, for, what he's, for what he, I think, is going to bring to us, not only on the field but also from a recruiting ranks. Uh, there you go, Coach, talking about the uh, coaching changes on the 40 Acres. Um, and there's one other cut I thought was really interesting. There's a bunch of really good stuff here. We don't have time to play everything. But Sark was asked particularly about his culture, which he is really proud of, and he has championed a lot of his culture, helping him win games last season, right? The types of having goal line stands on defense, clutch uh, clutch. clutch receptions to to close out a game uh, on offense like with uh with ad mitchell right or the way you ended the bama game on the road being able to choke bama out with your run game you know those are those are cultural wins for sark he, he really does pride himself on this the culture that he has established helping him win some of those games in clutch time he was asked how do you still um how are you going to make sure that that culture still persists that culture still exists when you've lost a lot of your what i call culture bearers you lost Jay Witt. You know, uh, JT Sanders is one of those guys. JT Sanders is going to be gone. Um, he was one of your guys. I mean, X-Man is one of those guys. Jalen Ford was one of those guys. Murphy, Sweat, these are all guys who really were your culture bearers throughout the season, made those clutch plays. Here's Sark talking about how that culture uh, still, even with guys leaving, um, it still will be the focal point of the program. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's big. You know, I, I think complacency is, is like – the devil, man. I mean, I, I just, I, I cannot afford anybody in our building to feel like we've arrived, right? Because this is a new team. And this team now has to develop their culture. This team has to develop their strengths. This team, I have to identify their weaknesses and, and how we can improve upon those things. We are fortunate, though, to have a Quinn Ewers back, to have a Jake Majors back, to have a Kelvin Banks back, to have a Alfred Collins back, to have a Maurice Blackwell back, to have a Jade Barron back, to have a uh, oh David Benda back. I mean, we, we've got a lot of players who have been with us now for two and three years that really 
get our culture, right? I mean, it, it's ingrained in them. Now it's their responsibility to get that ingrained in these 30 new players, right? As much as it's the coaches, man, it's way more impactful when it comes from, you know, the leaders on the team. And so that that's always the challenge of empowering those guys and them, and them taking responsibility of it and then growing this team into the team that we want to have as quickly as possible. There you go. So he's just uh, hoping that the guys who have been waiting their turn to be a coach of bearer, that they take advantage of the opportunity. Good stuff right there, Rod. That is awesome. And that's, you know, that's as, as important as talent is, is the chemistry and the, the leadership is, is just as important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. Yep. And, 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 you know, one of the things we'll be watching for this year with all the returning production and 70% returning plus really big portal acquisitions and coaching continuity you know, we go back to that uh, Bobby Bowden quote we talked about a lot. It's a good quote. You know, you, you take your lumps in year one, you get a little bit better in year two, year three, you start winning close games. Mm-hmm. In year four, if you're doing it right, you start stretching out and winning by, yep. by big margins. It's like you, what did you say? You, you lose big, all right, then you lose close, then you win close, then you start winning big. Yes. And Sark was at the win close phase last year. So yeah. this should be the win big phase where you are closing out opponents and you're actually not blowing teams out, but you're winning by a considerable margin. Um, and that's what that's he's right. I think, looking for this that's season. That's right. Yeah. yeah and, not that U of A tried to case well, state for the TCUs. this year, we don't have to remind people, but the, you know, there were a lot of close wins, yeah. but the two losses were very close, right? Last play plays against Oklahoma and Washington. Well, you had, other, I mean, you had a goal line defensive stand well, twice. That's what I'm saying. You're, even yeah. a lot of your wins were close. Yeah, close exactly. wins and your two close losses. Yeah. The hope is next year, as you continue to grow this culture and build what mm-hmm. you're about, and Tark just said it, you know, you know complacency is the devil. Um, it's it's about you know stretching that out and starting to play four quarters of great football uh, with a scene, with a uh, the veteran quarterback who's made 22 starts and a veteran offensive line. Yep. All right, we'll come back when we do. We go off the record and a fair question if you didn't hear it, but. Come on, Tony Pollard. Come on, Tony Pollard. What did TP say? Got to hear this. Come Gotta on, hear TP. This. Coming back on Hook 'em Up with. All right, Patrick Davis producing our show this morning. Patrick, can we fire up off the record in our final segment of our 8 o'clock hour? Is that possible? Love the song, but we need to open up. There we go. Beautiful. D.D. No Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry. Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, I don't get They bring the income. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, it is uh, off the record time on this 8th of February. I mentioned earlier, happy, happy birthday to my mother. Hey, happy birthday. Barbara Hogan, living, uh, listening right. probably down in Houston, Texas at our house. She works from home, does medical coding, and having a birthday today. Man. So, happy birthday to her. That's fantastic. Hey, Rod, i got to play this for you because it happened on the McAfee show yesterday. And, um, you know, it just you can make your own judgment, but it appears that uh, our man Tony Pollard, the Cowboys running back who – May not be the Cowboys running back moving forward. Remember, he was a franchise player on a one-year deal, so he's likely a free agent in March. But he was on there talking football, and it doesn't appear he reads the paper very often or reads uh, the news or keeps up with his teammates. Can I play this from uh, McAfee yesterday, Patrick? Thank you very much. 
know, uh, your guys' defensive coordinator obviously got the head coaching gig in Washington. I think you guys are still going through the process, right, of figuring out who that D.C. might be. When you, got, when you face that defense, you guys have stars everywhere you look. What do you think? What do you look for them for next year, and who do you think they might bring in? Um, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> See, I hadn't been on social media. Like, <laughs> I kind of I got rid of Ooh. Instagram, like, midway through the season. How come? How come? Too much people being negative? I mean, being a, a cowboy, you just have to find ways to keep your mental on point, you know? Yeah, keep the noise out. Yeah. Did you just find out you lost your defensive coordinator? I just found out right now. Oh, hey, he's the congratulations. Newsbreaker. Yeah, Newsbreaker. Dan yeah. Quinn's the head coach of Washington. Dan Quinn, head coach. Wow. Washington Commander. Right, there Back we go. Tech Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> so he didn't wow. know. Then when did that didn't happen? Like, like Friday. Wow. <laughs> Man. Yeah, you know what? It happens in the NFL, though. It does. I've learned, I, I learned I was cut from a team through a crawl on uh, ESPN once. So did happens. you really? Yeah, it happens. It's just because things happen so fast. I mean, you probably get a call, probably your agent or somebody right there. Or the Cowboys reached out after that and, like, hey, guys. You know, we'd like to have a meeting or something like that and talk about this. But it's the offseason, too. And offseason, that stuff is hard to organize. Yeah. Guys, guys split offseason. They gone. They, Vacation we, plans. And that, they gone. That's, that's the first thing I thought that, that yeah. I think a lot of us don't realize. And, you know, when the, when the season's over, you know, it's a long season. It's a grind, right? It starts way yep. back in July at training camp in Oxnard. And, you know, when the season's over, even if it ends disappointingly, you're, you're going to go find some downtime. Yep. So, you know, show up at the Super Bowl, uh, you know, unplug for a few days and – you know, but again, that Dan Quinn was hired on Friday, um, and it's now Wednesday of yesterday. But that's you know that Tony Pollard doesn't read the paper. That's pretty clear. Yeah, no, I mean, well, you know what? It's like I said, they just reading the paper, but it happens fast, man. The car- coaching carousel is moving. Uh, okay, can I give you this? Um, have you heard of this theory of thirteen? Theory of thirteen. Okay, I like it. Uh, it's, it's it's Taylor Swift. Oh, it's a Taylor Swift uh, oriented. She had an theory. album called Thirteen, correct? Yes, exactly. There you go. So apparently, she's obsessed with the number thirteen. That's one of her things, and apparently, a lot of people have used that uh, to uh, whatever put together this random theory of thirteen about the matchup in the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if it leads you to predicting who's going to win the Super Bowl, but it is weird. Um, so obviously, Taylor was born on the 13th of December. She turned uh, 13 on Friday the 13th. Her first album went gold in the U.S. in 13 weeks. She won her 13th Grammy just uh, at the last Grammy Awards. And her last album, you brought up the, the album was 13. Yep. Uh, the, if you go look at it, it's, the Super Bowl is 58, uh, but you go 5 plus 8. 13. 13. <laughs> uh, she's been to 12 Chiefs games. The Super Bowl will be her. 13th. <laughs> the Niners are the number one seed. The Chiefs are the three seed. 13. One and a three. The Chiefs versus the 49ers, if you go, uh, and I don't know why they did this. It went four plus nine, so I don't know if that's the way you want to do it. Um, but it's on 2-11. That's the Super Bowl. So two plus 11. 13. Boom. Um, if you go look at uh, Travis, Ke- they got Travis Kelsey in here too. They say uh, if you go look at 100 minus 13, the number is 87, which is Travis Kelsey's <laughs> number. These people, have, these switches are going deep. I'm telling you, this is deep. You, know, I like numbers. I'm like, man, this is this is some mental gymnastics here. Uh, not to mention the quarterback of the 49ers wears what number? 13. Boom. Uh, they also said she's flying from Tokyo to Vegas to make it. 13 hour flight. Boom. It's 12 and a half. Boom. 13 hour flight. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's a lot of thirteens throwing out there, man. So apparently, I don't know if that, what that means. I don't know if that's good or bad for her side or the other side. I don't know, but a lot of thirteens well, coming out. The theory thirteen. Been the person on the show that watched the Grammy Awards the other night when she won her thirteenth. She made mention of it and she announced a new album coming out. But she she mentioned her, her favorite number. And yeah. Folks who know me know that that's my favorite number. Uh, but yeah, thirteen. And by the way, uh, New York right. Post did a story just this week on how about this for everybody that hates the Taylor Swift mania. Uh, that apparently dads are connecting with young daughters more because the girls actually want to watch football with their dad. And come on now. Who can I, hate how on can that? that be a bad story? You can't hate on that now. How can that be a bad story? You can't hate on that now. Uh, I got me a little girl now, too. So my little girl was to sit down and watch. Girl dads like that. She's going to watch football with me anyway, but she'd probably enjoy it and more. I'll, I'll <laughs> say this. My daughter's 22 now, um, but when she, she went to a Taylor Swift concert when she was probably 13 mm-hmm. uh, with her girlfriends and, and you know the, the wives. I guarantee you, if she were that age now, she'd be wanting to watch football to see Taylor Swift. Just no as big question. of a fan as she was 10 yeah. years ago. And, and you'd have been all for it. 100%. <laughs> you'd have been You're like, awesome. let's go. Got to watch your favorite team. There you go. I mean, that's it. It's, I think overall, even though I know people are annoyed by it, it's been really good for the game. Oh, it's, really good for, it's been really it's good for the game. conspiracy people. I know you're annoyed by it. But, like, gosh, she's only on, she's only on screen, remember this, for like less than two minutes per game. Like, and honestly, it's not even close to that long. A lot of times it's less than a minute per game that she's actually on screen we're just annoyed by it <laughs> the entire game but just because you're annoyed by it doesn't mean that they're being uh, excessive or gratuitous with the with the showing of Taylor Swift we'll come back there it's a little off the record stories you probably missed but need to know now you know why the number 13 is important on Sunday she loves it man it's very spiritual to her somebody asked is Taylor Swift the Antichrist number 13 <laughs> I don't know <laughs> That's true. It's probably a bad luck number, isn't it? It is. I remember a lot of hotels and don't high rises don't put a 13th floor. You get, you go from 12 to 14. So that bad luck for Kansas City then? That 13th thing? Been good so far. Been Nate's good so far. far. Yeah, she's. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we will pick up these conversations and more. Patrick Davis produces this morning. Rod Babers is here. Rod will have his second rant of this Thursday coming up. Uh, we roll on all the way to 11 o'clock on Hook em Up with Ian Rod B. 1019 AM 1260 streaming always on that Horn app and at hornfm.com.